Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Here we are once again, Mike and Joel with the Growing in Grace podcast. We do this every week, just uh, sit back, relax, take some uh, time, a little bit of, you know, I guess 14 minutes every week here for the Growing in Grace podcast, talking about the good news, this new covenant that uh, is something that we are the beneficiaries of. It's not a covenant that you and I, Cap, or any of our listeners made with God. It's not a covenant that God said, here, you sign here and you do your part and I'll do mine. See, that was the old covenant. And under that old covenant, the people failed. God found fault with uh, that covenant. God found fault with those people. We'll get into that this week. Uh, And so uh, he gave us this new covenant that was all based upon his own promise to himself. So here we are continuing our our series, kind of uh, talking about this this wonderful new covenant. So how's Mr. Kapler this week? Hey, doing okay, Joel. You know, it's one of those things that uh, probably a lot of churchgoers never really hear much about, the old covenant, the new covenant first covenant made with Israel and a, and a new eternal covenant that was made between God and himself. The father and son put this agreement together so that it would never fail. It would be eternal. It would be everlasting. It's different than the first time around with that covenant made with Israel. And you kind of pointed to it when when uh, that first covenant was put into place between the Israeli people and God. It was really up to the the Israelites to live up to a certain standard. What was that standard? Perfection. Everybody fell short of that, and so the covenant was a failure. Uh, it wasn't the covenant's fault. It was the people not being able to live up to the covenant. For many years in my Christian life, I, I carried that mentality, that thought process into my relationship with God in thinking that I was in covenant with God, and it was very much up to me now even though I, I had uh, received salvation, uh, I, I still viewed it as somebody who had been released from prison and was put out on parole and that I would have to regularly report to my parole officer. Uh, and that's just how I dealt with my life in Christ. And it was not a good place to be. We're hoping that you won't have to keep going down the same road that at least that I went down for, for many years, not realizing the finality of the finished, uh, the, the finality of the finished work. Well, the, the completion of the finished work and, and the finality of what Jesus did at the cross. W- once we begin to grasp and, and, and begin to relate and understand just exactly what really was accomplished, then we can rest in peace, so to speak, mm-hmm. because Jesus Christ has become our peace. And, um, I, I, this is part, part of the reason why we're, we're doing this, uh, this series on, on the new covenant. Yeah, he himself is our peace. That's what this whole new covenant is about. Uh, it's it's not up to me. I I, I can't make peace with God uh, because I don't have what it takes to offer him. Uh, I don't have what it takes, and, and nobody else does, but Jesus did. Last week we talked about Jesus Christ. This priest lives forever versus those many priests who were prevented by death from continuing. That's Hebrews 7.23. I just always, for whatever reason, I get a chuckle out of that because it's, of course, they can't continue because they die. Uh, But Jesus lives forever. 
an unchangeable priesthood. He is our high priest, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. He's become higher than the heavens. All these things that it talks about at the end of Hebrews 7. So Paul talks about all the, or the, the writer of Hebrews, whether it's Paul or not. Some people say it's Paul. Some people uh, say it's somebody else. Uh, we're not sure entirely, but uh, some people believe that it could be Paul. But anyway, the writer of Hebrews says all that. And then he says, now, this is the main point of the things we're saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord erected, and not man. That's Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. So this isn't of us. This isn't something that man could do. All those priests, they offered sacrifices and gifts And so Jesus, it says, this one had to have something to offer. Those things that the priests under the Old Covenant offered were copies and shadows of the heavenly things. Uh, But Jesus, of course, verse 6 of chapter 8 says, Now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. And that promise, like you were talking about, Cap, God made an oath. To himself, since he couldn't swear by anyone greater, there's nobody greater than God. So he made an oath to himself. And this new covenant, that's what this new covenant stands on. Not my promise to God to be a good Christian, to be a good husband, to be a good churchgoer, to do a bunch of good things. Not that any of those things are bad, but this new covenant has absolutely nothing to do with how well I perform. uh, Because it's all based upon God's oath to himself, these better promises that it talks about in Hebrews. And so that's why we have this more excellent covenant, this more excellent ministry, a better covenant established on better promises. Yeah, and you know, that that word excellent, it really means different if you look it up in the Greek. So again, trying to draw the line here in the sand between the old and the new, they're, they're not together, they're not mixed. The new isn't just improved, it's something entirely different. We talked about this in, in previous programs. This change that took place, it was a complete transfer. Something ended and something new began. This wasn't like uh, going out and buying a, a used car. You might go out and say, hey, I got a new car. Uh, oh yeah, well, what year is it? Oh, it's like 20, 2011, it's like four years old. Um, but it's new to you, right? This isn't like that. Something had to come to an end and be put aside, tossed aside, thrown out, and then it was replaced with something different, something more excellent, something better. And I like what you were saying there, Joel, uh, kind of piggybacking off of what I said earlier, and that is that we're we're not just trying to become better. (laughs) And I think that's how we we sense somehow that this is what Christianity is supposed to be about. I, I get better. I sin less. And the less I sin, the more God accepts me. No, you've already been accepted, Mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do with us and our how well we perform or behave, whether it be good or bad. The the love of God remains the same. Our position in Christ remains the same because, again, the covenant wasn't made with you and me. We will fail it. We have not reached that place of perfection, nor are we expected to. We haven't within ourselves, but perfection has been found in Christ. And since he is in us and we are in him, we have also been perfected. But again, it, it has to do with everything that he did and nothing to do with what we have done. So we're coming up on a passage here, Joel, that uh, uh, the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about this new covenant, referring back to something that was uh, first pronounced 
in uh, the book of Jeremiah, I believe. Yes, that's right. The new covenant was promised in the book of Jeremiah, and he does quote here a big portion of what Jeremiah had said. You know, first in verse 7 of chapter 8, he talks about the fault with that first covenant. You see, again, like like we've tried to say many times over the last few weeks, this isn't our words. We're, We're not making this stuff up. This is what the writer of Hebrews said. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So there was a fault with the old covenant. Okay? Again, we're not saying that. It's what the scriptures say here. But what was the fault? Was was the law bad? No, the law is good, just, and holy. Was, uh, was there something wrong with the wording of the law or anything in it? No, the law has always been good, just, holy. But, verse 8 of chapter 8 of Hebrews, finding fault with the people. <laughs> finding fault with the people, God says, behold, the days are coming when I'm going to make a new covenant. We'll get into some of the, these words of, of Jeremiah, but a big point here is that the, the reason that there was fault with that first covenant was because of the people. See, again, if we're trying to base this upon what we do, even those people who were under the old covenant couldn't do it. And what about we Gentiles who were never even under that covenant? Why do people expect that we should be trying to keep it? Because that was the fault with that covenant. The people couldn't do it. God only found fault with them. And so Jesus didn't come to help us to live under that old covenant. He didn't come to help us live by the law. But what verse 7 says is that if that first covenant had been faultless, no place would have been sought for a second. So it's, it's a second covenant. It's this new covenant that was needed. And as we were just talking about in Hebrews there, Hebrews 8, Hebrews 7, this new covenant isn't a continuation of the old. It's a brand new one. Uh, but yeah, so Jeremiah says, or in the writer of Hebrews quote saying, quoting God, saying, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. So again, it's not a continuation of that old covenant. It's chucking that old covenant aside and bringing in a brand new covenant. Yeah, and, and something that's, that's addressed here, uh, going back to the, the book of Jeremiah that the, the writer of Hebrews is quoting from here. Uh, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a, a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Um, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. So a couple of things to point out here. Uh, don't don't miss this. Um I, I, this is a different covenant. It's not going to be like the one I made with your fathers when I took them out of Egypt. Different covenant. We've already established that through some other things leading up to this. They did not continue in that covenant. That's why it failed. But this, this talk, sometimes theologians say, well, the new covenant, it really hasn't been fully established yet, or it's not going to begin since it was supposed to be made with Israel. Israel rejected Christ and the, and the new covenant. And so until they uh, agree to the new covenant, then it's just not going to be into effect. 
And and so they say that we we're kind of in this place of limbo where the old and new are sort of just clinging together right now, and that goes against everything we've been we've been talking about, where one had to end and one eternal covenant would begin. Uh, the 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 short version on this, since we're we're running out of time here, you know, one time Jesus said he was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's what he said to some people, uh, and and to somebody else he told someone that salvation is of the Jews to the woman at the well. So if we apply the same logic uh, that the theologians use with the new covenant, needing Israel's signature in order to be validated, we would not be able to experience the promise of salvation and new life even now until Israel uh, first, quote unquote, agreed to a different covenant. That's the human perspective, and we need to, to get away from that because this thing became obsolete, which is what we're going to be getting getting into in, in, in the next program. This old thing became obsolete, and it was still um, Jewish people becoming believers in Christ. They were still trying to wrap their minds around it. Some were still sacrificing animals, clinging to portions of the old law. So in that sense, it was becoming obsolete. But in the mind of God, it was over at the cross, and something new is about to begin. Yeah, and, and so the question comes up, you know, if we're not under the old covenant anymore, if it's the new covenant, and it's not about us, it's not about our performance, how do we live under the new covenant? God said that he would write his laws on our hearts, didn't he? That question comes up, and so we'll address that. Are the Ten Commandments written on our hearts? That's coming up next week right here on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.